If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the PSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies. And on this episode, we're going to pour over some of the details of the last couple of games. Wins over the Miami Marlins that bring the Rockies winning streak to a total of three. Hey, yeah, they're the worst team in the National League. And it took them a walk off against the Diamondbacks to get themselves back into the win column here. But a little bit of a run, and there are actually some pretty interesting elements uh, about the run, some things worth looking into here uh, that have been notable over these last two games, starting with, of course, we're going to go chronologically through it here, so I'll begin with the first contest, the 3 to nothing win, featuring the fantastic pitching performance, of course, of John Gray, going eight shutout innings. Really the only controversy to be had in this one whatsoever was whether or not he could have or, or should have gone back out for the ninth inning. Uh, it was made clear to us after the game by Bud Black that both John Gray and Tony Walters lobbied pretty hard for him to go back out for the ninth and that had a few more runs been scored he would have been allowed to do so but with it still being relatively close the Rockies are still trying to win baseball games Uh, you know there was some talk last night in the press box and afterwards some of us were doing a little bit of math to figure what would the Rockies actually have to do to still make a wild card spot or even you know kind of make it interesting for that second wild card spot and they'd probably have to finish about 30 and 9 
which is incredibly, incredibly unlikely. But still, you know, you, you got to keep playing uh, until you're really out of it here. And, and so Bud Black goes to Scott Oberg to close it out. But what a performance from John Gray. Uh, really, really good stuff. Again, uh, Marlins caveats throughout. They're, they're an aggressive swinging lineup. They're a young lineup, and they're not a particularly good lineup. When Neil Walker is batting cleanup for you, it's not, you're not exactly uh, world beaters there. You're not the scariest group to face. But Gray pitched his game. He uh, continues to show a mastery of Coors Field that nobody else has displayed throughout the last couple of years. In spurts, obviously, we saw Kyle Freeland in 2018 pitch really, really well at Coors Field. Uh, Marquez also last year, uh, or it might have been the year before. I'd have to double-check on Marquez, but he has one year where he's been really good at Coors. And then, of course, Jorge De La Rosa throughout his career. But that's kind of the list, right? I, I In 30 seconds there, ran through the entire list of guys who can claim some kind of Coors Field dominance over a, a stretch of time that's even a season long. And De La Rosa is the only guy who can claim to be doing it for a career and John Gray is getting to the point now where his career is long enough you can say I mean you can go over it even at times when he struggled he's been better at Coors Field he has made uh, this place his home and now he's doing so in a season where this uh, you know I I wrote the juiced ball thing and I'm actually going to talk about that in a in a different podcast uh, a, a run over the juiced ball juiced bat conversation but with all of that going on in Coors Field, it's been that much worse. I wrote an article about a month ago on John Gray dominating here, and I'd have to look at the updated statistics. But at the time, the ERA for just an average pitcher, anybody taking the mound at Coors Field, and this included guys who had gotten knocked around and were over this mark, like Clayton Kershaw and Young Jin Ryu. Um, I'm sorry, it was Bueller that got that got knocked around here a little bit. Um, but was over six, I believe. Six oh nine was the ERA for just the average guy taking the Coors Field mound this year. And John Gray was sitting in the low threes. It wouldn't surprise me if he's gotten it under that. If it's two ninety something at this point, after his last couple of performances here at Coors Field have been so so good. And he's gone eight innings uh, a couple of times here in his last few outings. Again, very very impressive. Probably could have gone the ninth. Uh, there are. Complete game shutouts at Coors Field are remarkably rare, and I think that's probably the main reason why so many people wanted to see it. And it would have been a nice thing to be able to hang your hat on as a fan to say I was at that game or just to remember you know, something in the season in this sort of lost part of the end of the year to say, yeah, but remember when John went out and threw that complete game shutout at Coors Field. Um, you know, but... I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't argue with it too heavily about whether or not to go out there. Ultimately, it's still the best thing to make sure you, you safely lock down the game. And, you know, you, you, you let John finish his night off on a really positive note. He, had, he was getting hit a little bit harder leading up to that. He got a little bit lucky not giving up one run after the leadoff triple. Some hard hit balls right after that, but they were right at infielders, including a line drive right at Yonder Alonso to... And I believe that was the seventh inning in that game. And, uh, you know, he got through the eighth, but again, he was getting hit hard. So 
I understand you, you don't you don't want the guy to blow it again. You, you're you're also letting John Gray finish on a, a high confidence note. Everybody thinks of the positive of yeah, but what if he goes back out there and shuts it down and gets the thing? But what if he goes back out there, you know, walks a guy, gives up a bloopy single, and then either he gives up a home run or then you go to the bullpen and then you give up a home run and now he's blown the game, and and now you can't even feel good about the eight innings of shutout baseball that you pitched because it doesn't matter because you blew it in the end. you know. And people don't often think about it going that way. There's something to letting the pitcher end his night on an extraordinarily positive note. As it worked out, that's exactly what John Gray got to do. He, he's got this back-to-back uh, appearances here of eight innings pitched. Sorry, I just got a little bit of news as I'm talking now. Uh, the Rockies have recalled right-handed pitcher DJ Johnson from AAA Albuquerque and have placed right-handed Scott Oberg on the 10-day IL with auxiliary artery thrombosis. Uh, it's a, a blood clot situation. Uh, it's been retroactive to August 17th. Uh, this is something that Scott Oberg has actually dealt with before. There was a, I'm just getting this news. I'm going to have to remember. I think it was 2016, maybe 2017 where he had started to pitch really well near the end of the year and had to get shut down because of this. That's really too bad. Obviously, everyone's going to hope that we see Scott Oberg back as soon as possible. Hope to see him get well uh, just from a a human level. That's obviously a difficult and very frustrating thing to deal with. Anytime you've got a health issue that isn't even, you know, it didn't come from playing the game hard and you happen to get hurt, you know, uh, a David Dahl, as it were, it's it's just this thing that even more than that is out of your control. And, uh, you know, like some of the Kenley Jansen stuff um, with with his heart rate when he's come to Coors before. So these kinds of things are scary and you just want him to get well. Obviously, from an on field standpoint, uh, <laughs> that hurts the Rockies bullpen. But you know what? It is this time of year where. These young guys got to show what they've got. I've talked a lot about how this is going to be an important stretch for players like Jesus Tinoco, Yancy Almonte, Carlos Estevez. Um, you know, I don't know that DJ Johnson in particular has a, a huge role in to, to play in the future, but he could be a guy that emerges. This could be an opportunity for him to take advantage of. Either way, if you want to paint a silver lining to the Rockies bullpen that's already had a ton of struggles, losing by far its best player, then it is that the season is already very unlikely to be a positive one for the Rockies. Like I said, they'd have to go 30-9. and nine. That's just almost certainly not going to happen. As such, it is more valuable to your future to get innings for these younger guys so you can learn who's got what and even for some of the other veterans like a Shaw or McGee, DJ Johnson, Chad Bettis, if they can rebuild some of their value so that you can hope to shop some of their contracts in the offseason. As much as, as I was just making the point about it's the right thing to keep trying to win games and do the best you can to win those baseball games. I would suspect in his absence Wade Davis will go back to closing here. It's still not necessarily the most important thing for the future of the franchise at this point. And 
getting these guys some work and learning what you can about where they're at in their careers, what they're going to be able to do to help you in 2020 or beyond, or if they're not going to be able to help you, you need to know that too so that it can inform what you do in the off season. Uh, so, you know, you know Scott Oberg is good. Continuing to watch him close out games with deftness and skill and ability is great in the moment to watch. It feels a lot better than if you'd have to watch someone else come into that John Gray game the other night and totally blow it. At the same time, if, say, that person is Jesus Tinoco, you might learn a lot more from that than you do just having Oberg close one out and getting you a win over the Marlins. That said, Rockies are feeling good about winning a, a, a shutout for them there. And then the three runs, obviously two of them coming on a, a big home run from Ryan McMahon, who's quite in the zone, continues to be the story of the second half. As all of you know, I said he would be, and uh, that's just continued to be the case he's got four home runs in his last three games uh went yard twice in the second game in the series against the marlins to get his season total up to 17 he's taking really good at bats he's taking his walks he's lining stuff up these aren't cheapies either this is a guy who's right now hitting stuff at 455 feet i think the second one was 420 like but i mean a real towering line drive on both of them uh, the first one was more of a moonshot. The second one was a frozen rope, but into the air. It was a majestic, majestic home run. And you're seeing the real natural power of his swing. He's not even swinging all that hard. He started doing this. He told me the other day as he's been taking shorter, easier, freer swings, not swinging quite so rigid and hard. All of this in addition to the fact that he's made himself into a remarkable defender at second base. He provides the team with a ton of versatility, can play third to give Nolan a day if you need him to. And in the future, like next season, if he's continuing to do this, the Rockies have a lot more trust in Ryan McMahon with what they've seen here in the second half. And he has more trust in himself, and he's just a better player. So that in 2020, if Nolan Arenado is having a foot or a leg issue like he was in July, instead of him forcing to play through it, you can set him down for 10 days. You can put Nolan Arenado on the 10-day IL and not feel like it's going to totally torpedo your season because Ryan McMahon can go over and play third base for you. Similar things with, with first. I think he needs to get a few more reps there. Uh, Patrick Lyons and I have talked about that a little bit. You know, he's much more comfortable, oddly enough, right now playing second base just because that's where he's been. But absolutely excellent work at the plate for Ryan McMahon lately both in terms of him taking the at-bats well and then obviously the big home runs uh, there there's still some little things to develop absolutely some situational stuff but Bud Black has pretty confidently cemented him right in there into the fifth spot in the lineup most of the time as a protection for those middle of the order guys and he's come through and done exactly that he's leading the team in rbi since the all-star break i know that's not everyone's favorite statistic but as a comparative one uh, between players uh, i think it's very useful to recognize that mcmahon has been the guy who maybe he's having more opportunities but he's also been coming through in those opportunities remember he's still this is his first year as an everyday player in major league baseball he's no longer a rookie because he's gotten plenty of time but he uh, as, as people who were frustrated by it reminded us all last season was a bench player 
you know, looking for time platooning a little bit by the end of the season with Ian Desmond, but he was sent down three different times last year, began the year on the bench, struggled with that, eventually figured it out, began this year as a regular player, struggled a bit with that, as eventually figured it out. Not that you ever really figure out the game of baseball, but we're continuing to see Ryan McMahon's hard work, his cerebral ability to understand the game of baseball, his just general natural athletic ability play up. And these are all the things that I recognized in him way back in 2013. The technical stuff I was never going to be able to run you all through and, and say, yeah, here's why he can hit this fastball or here's why he can do X, Y, and Z at first or second or third base. But I knew that whatever his skills were, he was going to maximize them with his effort, with his work ethic, with his natural athleticism and his, and his smarts. His, he's a very present young man, and he, he can take in a lot of information and process it and put it to work. And that's, you know, that's one of those skills in baseball. It's not one of the five tools that people talk about, like how quickly does your mind process information. But there's a lot to process in this game. Uh, and, and he was a quarterback in high school, and it, it's very similar. You know, that's that's you talk about in football. It's the most important thing you can do is process a ton of information, read uh, defenses, do all of these different things. And baseball is cerebral like that, but at almost every position and every at bat is a cerebral experience. And that's why I've always believed in Ryan McMahon, and that's why I think they've got themselves another member of their core moving forward. And, of course, as I said earlier, that's just going to be the best story of this final bit of the season here. And then Nolan Arenado with a ninth-inning home run to give him a little bit of insurance, that first one to make it 3 to nothing uh, after the walk-off the other day. It's good to see him looking healthy and, and playing clutch again. One of the things that's been a, uh, a sign that he just really wasn't right and one that he's back is that he's coming out and actually getting hits with runners in scoring position and in the ninth inning and the things we're used to, to seeing him do. Uh, before I go to commercial break, speaking of things that we're used to seeing people do, uh, I got to say, we had a whole lot of fun the other night. We had a, a company meeting down at Blake Street Tavern hosting us. Uh, those guys are awesome, and we're going to be doing a watch party there very soon. Uh, for it's for the Denver Broncos, but I, we should call it a, a Broncos and Rockies watch party. They're going to be on the TVs. They're out of town playing the St. Louis Cardinals on the 24th. I'm going to be down there, and we're all going to be drinking Breckenridge Brew. You guys know that they are the official beer of BSN Denver. Um, by then, by late August, it might be time for an oatmeal stout by then. Maybe, maybe a, a vanilla porter. Might still be avalanche amber time, but probably those strawberry skies. I think we'll just be hanging out, throwing down strawberry sky all night, watching the Broncos, watching the Rockies. It's a great time to be a Denver sports fan. I know it's been tough for the baseball team this year, but, man, they're going to bounce back, and, and this is going to be seen as a, a blip on the radar. And, and if, you, if you don't believe me, well, why don't you come on out to Blake Street Tavern on the 24th, drink some Breckenridge brews with me, and tell me why I'm wrong, or maybe I can convince you otherwise, but... 
you can also check out the events calendar over at bsndenver.com. You can also go to totalbev.com to check out if they've got any specials on Breckenridge Brew. If you prefer not to go out to bars and talk to me, or <laughs> if you just don't happen to be in the neighborhood on that given day, you can swing by Total Bev, get yourself some Strawberry Sky, uh, take a picture of yourself drinking some from home so we can show everybody at the watch party so it's like you're there with us. We'll, we'll all be having a good time. All right, I'm going to throw it to a quick commercial break, come back on the other side and talk about the second game against the Marlins, an 11-4 victory featuring some pretty awesome offense from your Colorado Rockies. Strava Craft Coffee offers CBD-rich, hemp-oil-infused coffees. This 5280 Editor's Choice for Top Coffee Roaster is an essential part of the day, helping you wake up, fuel up, and achieve your goals. It gets me up, it gets me going. I, I'm like, I'm becoming pretty, pretty caffeine like uh, tolerant. So they're stronger, like, so it actually wakes me up and gets me going. Get a bag of this award winning coffee at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums, so sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. Let's jump right into game two, an 11-4 victory for the Colorado Rockies over the Miami Marlins. Really a, a pretty fantastic all-around game for the Colorado Rockies. A two for three night with three runs scored and two RBI with also two walks for Charlie Blackman. That's a lot of getting on base. He continues to just rake this year with the 325 batting average. I think he continues to show that, as we're kind of like we were talking about with Ryan McMahon, there's a lot of the intangibles that continue to make him a phenomenal asset at the plate. Some of the tangibles as well, for sure. But it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if they can figure out what to do with him defensively because I don't think he's going to stop hitting just continues to show that he's one of the best in the world at putting the bat on the baseball. Also one of the best in the world at putting the bat on the baseball. Uh, Trevor's story really did have one of his best nights at the plate. He goes three for three with two runs, three RBI, two walks. And Bud Black was saying after the game that the walk he took with the bases loaded he thought was one of the best at-bats that Trevor Story's had all year. And I have to agree, those of you out there who have been some of the lone critics of Trevor's story uh, point of course you'd have to to his strikeouts that's one of the 
remaining big kind of black marks on his resume as he strikes out quite a bit. And, and there have been a lot of times lately, uh, particularly when the Rockies went through that tough stretch in July, where he struck out a lot in clutch situations. And he had a, I don't know if you call it a clutch situation necessarily last night. The Rockies were already up, I believe, by four at the time. But the base is loaded. You tend to just get excited, as Bud Black said after the game. You want to drive in the run. You want to put the ball in the gap or just throw out that single. If you're Trevor Story, you're, you're maybe going to put it over the wall. You get big there. You expand. You go after the first pitch that looks good. And he just stayed within himself, kept everything slow, uh, saw some pitches, and ended up drawing the walk there and stayed off some tough ones. And in so doing, I think displayed, again, as Bud Black said after the game, exactly what he needs to do that's going to take him to that even next level when he's taking those good walks in those situations rather than extending and striking out on the 3-2 slider that gets away from him he wants to put the ball in play everybody likes it though again one of the things that's been very promising that i've heard lately from ryan mcmahon is he loves taking walks he loves it he's he's really gotten into getting a joy out he, he, he told me something a walk can be powerful he told me the other day a powerful mental win over a pitcher and th- certainly when you take a walk with the the bases loaded you're you can basically look out there and say you're so scared of me that you would rather let this guy walk home and touch home plate than risk me putting the ball in the gap so three guys do it or put it over the wall so four of them do uh, and so really fantastic stuff from uh, story last night. And, and I agree with Buddy that as he draws more of those walks, takes those strikeouts, puts them into the walk column, he'll continue to rise in the rankings as one of the best players in baseball. He'll, he'll start to be talked about more nationally as being one of the best players in the game. A two for four night with three RBI from Daniel Murphy. He continues to look really good at the plate. Sitting with a 283 batting average, you'd like to see him finish over 290. Again, especially if you're trying to shop him a little bit in the offseason. Uh, but the better he looks at the plate down the stretch, the better your options are there either way. Uh, Ryan Tapia with just a one-hit night, and he got thrown out at second on that hit, trying to stretch it into a double. He also did draw a walk. Uh, I think he might, might, might be. That might have been 19, or he might be to 20 now. 20 walks on the season. Still, I, I think it's about 5%. He really doesn't walk very often. But that's not the reason to talk about Raimel Tapia, is it? Catch of the year. Hashtag catch of the year. Uh, not only was that the catch of the year for a Rockies outfielder, that was one of the best catches I've ever seen a Rockies outfielder make. And, and part of it is that they don't rob home runs very often. Coors Field is not very conducive to robbing home runs. Uh, There are some pretty high walls in right and left. And and, and for precisely what we saw out of Tapia, because typically guys rob home runs, and Ryan McMahon said this after the game last night too, when they're like these high-towering shots, but they just barely get over the wall. So there's kind of like a a five-foot grace window around that right and you can kind of camp underneath it and then jump up and try to time that and catch the baseball but that's not what Rymal Tapia did that ball was hit on a line and he was racing back at a full dead sprint 
and in one motion, while still moving at full speed toward the wall, leapt up, caught it, slammed against the wall, and it was clearly over. It was a good two or three feet over the wall, and it went forcefully into his glove. Actually, at first, I thought the ball took his glove off because of the way he fell and his hat fell off. I actually thought his glove had fallen off and was just wondering if the ball had gone over the wall or something. And the way he sat there, I wasn't sure he caught it. And there was this whole reaction from the crowd, too. It just grew and grew and grew. First, there was the reaction of, oh, my God, he did catch it. And then there was that initial uproar. And then they showed the replay on the big screen, and the crowd went bananas it was i I, like i said you just don't first of all you don't see that very often anywhere typically you've got to camp underneath a robbed home run and he there was no camping he was on a dead sprint Uh, you don't see it at coors field very often but even that type of home run robbery and i double checked with some people that uh, that know these things and aren't even necessarily big fans of of the defense that ryan maltapia has played and we all know that he's he's had some shortcomings there but one, he is much better in center field. And while there's a, there was there was a ball the other day that, that got over his head, and he actually talked about this after the game that he'd been working with Ron Gideon on going back because there was uh, you know he'd been doing it already, and there was one he didn't get, and and it was really eating at him. Uh, that was the one where Peter Lambert had walked the bases loaded and almost got out of it, if you recall. Then a, a ball hit over his head. Uh, the Rockies ended up losing that game, though it was more because of the bullpen. But two runs there could have been big. Tapia goes back, robs Luis Brinson on this one, uh, some of it taking. But clearly they're also just using his natural athleticism. It's one of the things we've talked about with his defense. It is a double-edged sword. Yes, there are times he's going to take the wrong first step. He's not going to get the right read. You really hate it as a manager and, and certainly a lot of fans out there when he does things like not throw the ball to the cutoff man or throw it to the wrong base, overthrow the guy weird stuff like that that he doesn't need to do on the other hand he's literally the only guy in the organization who could have made that catch last night because he's the only guy with the speed the height and the experience of playing that position enough to do that it was a that was an unbelievable catch an all-time rockies catch and i and i asked one of the better defenders in Coors Field center field history whether or not that was fair and he assured me that it was fine he didn't necessarily agree with me though I think he did I I mean uh, it it was incredible I believe it was number two on sports center last night Um, somebody tweeted that at me I don't watch sports center Uh, but yeah that was um, boy oh boy oh boy everyone was still buzzing about it after the game Uh, even Bud Black who's not prone to really up about any one individual play and he wants to draw attention to all the plays that help win baseball games yeah and he did even when talking about it he had to admit that was that was something else uh and then of course the other bit of news uh from this one was Harmen Marquez pitching fantastically giving up a couple of runs so they were kind of and the first one was just, it was, I think it was a second pitch of the game, just totally missed location. Guy ran into it, home run. Uh, then they scratched another one out against him later. But he had eight strikeouts to one walk through five innings. He was really cooking. 
but again has to come out of the game with cramps. He told us after the game that it was nowhere near as bad as last time, but that he was just trying to be precautionary about it, that he was already starting to feel like he was tiring out a bit. He had thrown 88 pitches through five. Um, for him in particular, I would be super, super careful if I was the Rockies. We've talked before about how many innings he's thrown all year. He swears he's fine, but it also doesn't work that way. Um, you know, I can't remember now the, the name. I'm totally blanking. Oh, remember, not to make a football analogy, but I'm going to, the Washington quarterback from years ago. Um, what, what's his name? Robert Griffin the third, telling everybody, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good to go back in. Yeah, you're, you're not your own doctor. You don't know. You might feel good, but that doesn't mean that you're good to go. And Marquez has thrown a ton of innings the last couple of years. He's still very young. He's signed through a deal. Uh, they need to get him going next year. There's no reason to run him into the ground this year. So in general, any little thing that pops up, if his back tightens up a little bit, if his arm tightens up a little bit, even if it's precautionary, I know it's going to freak the fans out, but you got to get him out of there. Makes sense. Uh, Carlos Estevez had to warm up pretty quickly, got out there, threw what I thought was a pretty good inning. He lost a battle to Gary Cooper, but I thought he had him punched out a couple of times, a couple of rough pitches. Even the one he threw was good. Cooper just turned on it. I mean, he absolutely hammered that thing, but you live with it. You live with that home run. Uh, as Bud Black said after the game, I'll live with my reliever coming out there, giving me three outs, and if he happens to lose one battle and give up one solo home run, I'll live with it. It, it's the two, three, four run innings that kill you out of the bullpen. Uh, and especially because Estevez did have to get up and get warm on short notice, not knowing that Marquez was about to come out of the game. Uh, you got to give him props for coming in and facing the heart of the order, such as it is, uh, and getting the job done. Also, really fantastic stuff out of Jesus Tinoco, who pitches two innings. He only allows one base runner on a walk, gets a couple of strikeouts. Uh, again, he's one of those guys to continue to watch. This is his first year of, of big league experience, and he's got absolutely filthy stuff. Sometimes it doesn't go to the right spot, and it gets hit really hard. But I've said it before, I'll say it again, and he did it last night. He reminds me of a young Scott Oberg with all kinds of wicked stuff that he just needs to polish up, and, and he has better stuff than Scott Oberg ever did. He just needs to polish it a bit, hone it in, get, get some better command, uh, and, and even do things like, like as he gets more experience, he just needs to get some borderline calls too because as we saw with Adam Adovino, when you've got that kind of wicked stuff, it can be difficult for umpires to properly give you those borderline pitches. Uh, and then Almonte ran into a little trouble in the final inning. They scratched out a run against him, gave up some hard hit balls, but again, didn't implode. Um, it, it was big for him to be able to get that last out, as Bud Black said after the game. You know, one more guy gets on there, and he's probably got to go get another pitcher because then you're a blast away from them being right back in the baseball game. And we've seen how those things can unravel, especially here. So you do have to give credit to Tinoco and Almonte for closing out the game. Uh, the way that they did. Ultimately, while it's nothing to run around and, and be extraordinarily excited about, three-game winning streaks are better than three-game losing streaks if you're a Colorado Rockies fan. Got another opportunity here uh, just a few hours away now from me recording this to try to get a sweep against the Miami Marlins. 
and then they go on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks and St. Louis Cardinals. So uh, a chance here to maybe get on a little bit of a run, keep their season alive so that maybe even going into September, they're still not mathematically out of it, and, and there's something to play for a little bit here. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I will tell you ultimately, and I know Patrick Lyons has a story coming out about this pretty soon, the team's having some fun right now and some people may not want to hear that but but i think most of you are going to be fine with it you've seen the los cucarachas thing uh they've been doing what they can to have some fun out there and i think it's loosened them up and i and i know again i've talked about the level of competition but i also think the fact that they've relaxed a little bit and taken some of the pressure off themselves and are having some fun is a big part of the reason why they're playing better and winning baseball games even some of the way, like these defensive things, Tapia's play. Nolan Arenado has had a lot more recently than I can remember in the months before where he's making his normal fantastic defensive plays. McMahon has had a couple of great ones at second on some short hops. Murphy's been clean at first, you know, just clean. And those are the kinds of things that you didn't see when the team was really struggling clean well-played defense and and that has nothing to do with your your competition right those are things that are all about how well you're playing some of the pitching that has that's 90 percent about where you're putting the ball what you're doing with your game plan and how well you're executing it they weren't doing that before they're doing a much much better job of it now so if you're still holding out hope feel free to do that and if you're just like watching quality baseball then i i think this is going to be a lot better down the stretch here uh let's keep our eyes on peter lambert this afternoon and just continue to hope for positive signs out of these young guys as the team tries to carve their path forward gonna wrap it up there thanks everyone for listening in to today's episode of the podcast make sure you're following us on social media at bsn rockies at drew creaseman at patrick d lyons give us a like share and subscribe on facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there uh stitcher i know has got some places to give five star reviews or one sentence reviews it always really helps people find us and we really 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 appreciate when you do that also if you haven't yet subscribe to bsndenver.com so you can get access to a ton of exclusive feature articles thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman and until next time i will see you at the ballpark this episode on the bsn podcast network is brought to you by total beverage with more than 70,000 square feet between their westminster and thornton locations there's literally no drink you can't find I love Total Beverage. I go there probably once a week. That's BSN Sales Director Lindsay Sauer. She's a regular at Total Beverage. I know when I go in there that I am going to get uh, the best bang for my buck, hands down. And if you can't make it in the store, don't worry. Just go to totalbeverage.net and place an order online. I have also taken advantage of their delivery service. They always give me, um, you know, an hour window. I don't have to wait around all night or all day. And make sure to like the Total Beverage Facebook page to see weekly specials. Remember, for wine, beer, spirits, go to Total Beverage. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.